Welcome to the Kid Men Podcast with Dr. Val and Dr. Virginia, where we talk about everything Kid Men. And pull back the curtain on some of the surprises and challenges in children's ministry that nobody prepares you for. I'm Dr. Val, and together we have over 45 years of experience in children's ministry. I'm Dr. Virginia. Valerie and I met over 10 years ago in our doctoral program at Southeastern Baptist Theological Seminary. We are excited to share with you all the great stuff that we have picked up over the years. We want to minister to you, the children's minister. Welcome, friends. We are so honored that you have taken some time to join us today, and we are very excited to be talking. Uh, Dr. Virginia, how are you today? I'm good. How are you, Dr. Val? I'm good. I'm good. I'm still excited for us to be back. I'm excited for yes. our topics from this last couple yes. of weeks because yes. we are literally jumping straight from help. I'm suddenly the preschool director, <laughs> preschool yes. director yes. to help. I am suddenly the children's director or the children's yes. director. And so the reason why we really wanted to do this as a separate episode is because we know that there are a lot of people who are responsible for preschool ministry only they're responsible for children's ministry only and those needs are different Mm -hmm. so we thought that there might be people that would not want to listen to the preschool um, side but be focused on the children's side Mm -hmm. and so we we wanted to honor that we know that there are some that are probably listening to both because you have been unceremoniously (laughs) given (laughs) the responsibility of preschool and children yes which is a challenge in itself no matter how large or small your church is working Mm -hmm. with kids from birth all the way through fifth or sixth and 11 12 years old yes and it's a lot of variation so there are some differences Mm -hmm. a lot of what we're going to talk about in this episode are things that we talked about in the last episode but they are worth repeating yes Um, and so even if you are not going to be responsible for preschool you might want to go back and just listen to at least the beginning of that episode so that you can get maybe um, some different things you might glean some different things from what we talked about because we're going to talk a lot about philosophy, vision, those kinds of things that you're looking at, safety and security, so often are paralleled in preschool and children ministry. And so you're going to see the similarities there as we talk. Mm -hmm. Uh, But we just wanted to meet you where you are. And we know that there are so many leaders that at this time of year have been suddenly thrust into the responsibility of children's ministry and really are just wondering, where do I start? What do I do? What do I do now? Yeah. Yeah. So I, um, one of the things that I wanted to share was just sort of from my heart. Um, I shared a couple verses of scripture in our preschool episode as well. And so I just wanted to share, um, you know, if I, was sitting there over a cup of coffee with you, the brand new thrust upon you, <laughs> children's director, you know, the first thing I would tell you to do would be to breathe, <laughs> um, that God has called you to this in this season and placed you here for a purpose right. that he is going to work in and through you. And so we're going to get into all sorts of things um, with that. But One of the things that I wanted to share were some verses of scripture that I personally pray in, in my personal quiet time verses that I like to pray for and pray through just praying God's word back to him um, in my life, for my children, for my family, for my ministry. And so one of my favorite verses to pray, I pray this for my children, and this is another great one to pray for the children in your ministry as well. Um, Luke 2.52, very familiar. Um, It's talking about Jesus 
and he grew in wisdom and in stature and in favor with God and man. And so praying for my personal children, the children in my ministry to grow up, you know, grow in, in wisdom, to grow in their knowledge and understanding of God's word, um, to grow in stature, to grow up healthy and strong and eat their vegetables and grow up big and to grow in favor with God and man for them to, um, grow in, begin a relationship with God, grow in that relationship with God, grow in their relationships with other people. Mm -hmm. And so praying through scripture for me has been such a profound way in my personal, just spiritual life um, to pray for the people who I love and care about, pray for my ministry. And so it's just been a a tremendous blessing to pray God's word back to him. Right, right. I, I think that those are such wise words. And, and we, we talked about at the beginning of the last episode, the importance of prayer in your spiritual life. Mm-hmm. And that is, again, just necessity for mm-hmm. ministry is that you find ways to spend time in prayer, that you spend time in God's word, that you grow in your spiritual life as you lead families and children and it's just vitally important that you make that time. And it's so easy to say, I just don't have time for that. I just can't make that time happen. Or to um, say, oh, boy, I mean, I prepared a lesson. I prepared oh, the kids yeah. worship lesson. It's not the same. It's not the same. Not the same. It, it really isn't. And so a lot of times as a children's director, as a children's minister, our entire spiritual identity becomes our ministry. Mm. And I think it's vitally important that we remember that first we are a child of God Amen. and our prayer life, our Bible study, our personal relationship with God has to be a priority mm-hmm. because I can tell you from experience, if your identity gets completely wrapped up in your ministry, mm-hmm. it is only going to be to your detriment because mm-hmm. there's going to be something that happens. Your ministry is going to change your leadership is going to change something that's going to happen that is going to rock your foundation if right. it's built on your vocation. Right. And so really finding that time to stay connected to God, to mm-hmm. follow his leadership in your life personally is just vital. And I think that and in Virginia and I've talked about it before praying for the supernatural productivity that we are going to need because there's <laughs> yes. always going to be a need. There's always going to yes. be a family who needs you, a child who needs right. you, a ministry um, event or some sort of a lesson that you have to be preparing for. And so there's always going to be something. If you're mm-hmm. waiting for that perfect time to spend it's on your own happen. spiritual life, it's never going to happen. I promise you it's never going to happen. Mm-hmm. It's, really, really important that you realize that God is going to give you the supernatural productivity that you're going to need to be able to get everything else done. But you have to take time in prayer and God's word. Um, And so it's just a vital portion. It is. And just like what you're saying, finding our identity as a child of God in an ongoing relationship with our father who loves us and who wants what's best for us. And so you know, tuning our heart to his, um, aligning our goals and our desires and our will to his, you know, we do that through his word and through prayer. And that is, that is what's best for us. That is what's best for our ministry. And it's what protects our minds and our Mm -hmm. hearts, because what we do is overwhelming. It's a lot of responsibility. It is a lot of work. 
Mm-hmm. And it comes with it that a lot of fear and a lot mm-hmm. of self-doubt and a lot of contradictory thoughts of, am I doing what's right? Am I doing what's best? Mm-hmm. And so when we have those fears and those doubts that come, it's through prayer in God's word that we get the power and the love and the sound mind that we need to be able to accomplish the things that he's called us to do. And he's promised us that God has promised us Mm -hmm. that and he's faithful. And Mm -hmm. so we need to be able to rely on him. And I Mm -hmm. think that sometimes we take for granted the power of prayer and the power of his word, because we get caught up in the busyness of our day. Mm -hmm. And so I just think that that's a vital place to start. Mm-hmm. Amen. James 1 5. If any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask of God who gives to all generously and without criticizing, and it will be given to him. And Amen. So God it. will give us that wisdom. He will. He will. And we are, we, we can't take all the responsibility on ourselves. Mm-hmm. You know, we are partnering with parents to help lay a biblical foundation for children to begin a relationship with God. We are partnering with the families. It's not fully our responsibility. We are not we replacing those families and those parents. No, and it is not our primary responsibility. It is mm-hmm. theirs. But what we do as the church is that we're providing age suitable Bible-based opportunities to meet the needs of the families and the children in your community. And that means that that's not going to be the same. What my church does is not going to be effective in the same way, using the same methods and the same events that Virginia's church is. We are going to be unique. We are going to be different. Mm -hmm. And so we have to look at our community, at our families, at our church, and we have to decide how can we best help families and children learn more about the word of God and to have a relationship with Jesus. And so that is our, our primary responsibility as leaders. And so we have to, to look at that, which means that we have to be able to evaluate our ministry and we have to set goals. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I, I mentioned this verse in the last um, episode that we talked about Proverbs twenty nine eighteen, where there is no vision, the people will perish. And I, I'm a firm believer in that verse because so many times we get caught up in the busyness of our ministry that we're just surviving from day to day. Yes. But if we do not have a goal, yes. if, if we don't have a vision for where we're headed, we are just going to be running in circles. Mm-hmm. And no real accomplishment is going to happen. No real growth is going to happen because we're just surviving. Mm -hmm. And so our responsibility, no matter what the church may think that they have given you the responsibility for, um, it is not just the responsibility for you to spend time with the kids. As much as we Mm -hmm. love kids and as much as we want to spend time with them, that isn't our primary responsibility our primary responsibility is that we are leading the vision for the ministry in our church. And so that means that we have to evaluate the ministry and set goals, Mm -hmm. but it can be overwhelming when we are first sitting down in our office on that very first day and thinking, how do we begin? Where do we start? Because there's so many things that need to be done. And there's Mm -hmm. so many things that we have to look at and accomplish. And so hopefully what we're going to do is to kind of take you through a few of the key things that you should be thinking about beginning that first week Mm -hmm. and kind of get you through the first six months or so of this responsibility so that you can think through what Mm -hmm. you need to do. Amen. So our very first advice to you is to not make any major changes those first six months if you don't have to. 
And I know that that sounds counterintuitive because you were thinking, well, they brought me here to make changes. They brought me here to do something different. Mm -hmm. They brought me here because these are the problems that need to be fixed. But let us share some wisdom of experience with you. And that is unless it's a major safety and security issue, it is best for you to wait, to just take that deep breath that Virginia advised (laughs) you to take. Yes. Honestly, building relationships and creating a team is probably one of the very first things that you're going to want to start working on. Because building relationships with people is, it's a two-way street. It's both both ways. So if you're coming into a new ministry, one, you want to get to know your leaders who you already have in place, who you're inheriting. You want to get to know the kids. You want to get to know the families and the parents. And so you want to get to know all of these people, but they also need to get to know you and need to get to know your heart and need to get a feel for you. And so these first, you know, few months or even up to a year of building relationships goes both ways Um, for you to know your people and your people to know you that way, whenever you are later on starting to implement changes, there is a foundation of trust that is already built up between you and your families and your volunteers. Um, That way they trust you to where even if you are asking them to do something they've never done before or never tried before, they trust you and are willing to follow your leadership because they know you. Right. Well, and that's the thing. Yes, you have been hired or recruited or given this responsibility in your lap. <laughs> as a children's minister, as a children's director. And a lot of people in the church are going to say that means you spend all of your time with the kids. Mm. But this is the thing. Your primary really responsibility when you're looking at the oversight of the entire ministry is that you are building leaders because you can't do it all yourself. Amen. You can't be the only one there, no matter how small or how large your church is, Mm -hmm. you can't be the only leader working with the children. And to be able to be effective, you have to be able to build relationships with the members Mm -hmm. of your church so that you can help grow leaders and and, and recruit volunteers and to bring people in. So you do need to spend that first amount of time meeting with adults, being in the worship service, being at church events so that you can meet people, so that you can get to know them, finding leaders that will come alongside of you and help Mm -hmm. you see things that maybe you are going to have difficulty seeing for those first few months. So finding a team of people that are willing to meet with you and to help you learn how that church functions and how that church works. Even if you have been at that church for a very long period of time in another capacity, this is different. You need to talk to parents and to leaders and find out what is working in your children's ministry and what is not. And so that means you're going to have to spend that time communicating with people. And so that's just vitally important. Absolutely. Yeah. And and people can give you important tidbits of history and things that have been tried or not tried. And here's why. And here's what's been done or hasn't been done. And so getting that background information is so Mm -hmm. vitally important. It really is. Um, Another thing that we really recommend that you do as much as possible, especially in those early days, is to read. Mm -hmm. Read everything you can get your hands on. Watch 
videos, watch things on Instagram, watch, um, you know, anything that you can watch, listen to anything you can listen to, get advice from people, learn how they are running their ministries and what they're doing and just increase your knowledge in any way you can. Virginia and I can never emphasize enough how important conferences can be to your ministry, mm, yeah. especially in these early years. Mm -hmm. Attending conferences if you can, reading books. And again, not everything that everyone else is doing is going to be best for your ministry. You have to pick and choose as you're learning, as you're reading. But I, I've always said it doesn't matter to me what kind of conference I'm in. I'm either learning something that I want to do. I'm remembering something I've forgotten that I should do or I'm learning something I never want to do. So, you know, you yes. always learn no matter what. And so that's yes. just huge for you to be able to do. Yes. Um, I think our last big kind of overarching piece of advice is to understand that you are never going to make everyone happy. Amen. It doesn't matter how fancy your events are or what you do or how you do it. There are always going to be people that are unhappy with your decisions and what you do. And so you just have to walk in to this position, knowing that you have the confidence that God has called you there for such a time as this. Mm -hmm. He has given you the wisdom, rely on him, Make those decisions based on what you feel like he is calling you to do and walk in that authority that he's given you as the leader of the ministry to be able to know that not everyone is always going to agree with you. Because if in, and especially as you are making these decisions, if you are making them with a team of volunteers and leaders and other people who know the ministry and who are working alongside you in the ministry. You are making these decisions as you are educating yourself right. about best practices, about things other people are doing, about, you know, new things and new issues and new things in, in children's ministry. So you are making these decisions in an informed way. Mm -hmm. um, and so even if other people aren't always happy with them, um, you can give an explanation of, okay, well, you know, this is the best practice. This is what, you know, these leaders and I believed would be best for our ministry, da, da, da. Um, and then knowing that people are come to your church and come to your ministry with wildly different expectations, oh, backgrounds, yeah. experiences. Mm -hmm. um, and so, so there are just, there are always going to be people with conflicting expectations of, right. of, you know, what they think is best. For sure. Um, and so you're right. So you're never going to make everyone happy, but you can make informed, educated decisions, yes. prayerful decisions um, for the good of your ministry and just rest in knowing, okay, Lord, you know, I am following your lead um, and trusting you to lead me, lead my volunteers and lead yeah. this ministry. Oh, yeah. Um, and just not everyone's going to be happy and that's mm -hmm. just, it's okay. Part of it. It's all yeah. right. Yeah. 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 Know that you're not alone. We have all been there. It, it, yeah. Nobody is immune from it. So you're in good company. Yep. Yep. So, <laughs> well, we just want to go over a few things that are more children's ministry specific that you are going to want to try to focus your thoughts on during, especially these first six months to a year 
Um, these can be some of the higher priority things that you want to think about. And I know that earlier we said you don't want to make any changes in the first six months. And, and we are, are, are very serious about that. But there are a few exceptions to that rule. Yes. And um, there are a few places where I've always said there, there are hills that I am willing to die on. These are the, the hills that I'm, I'm going to say these things have to be this way immediately. And the very first one is always have two leaders in each class room. Now, I know for children's ministry, that can be difficult. And one of the reasons why I know that can be difficult is because a large number of our church members will often say, well, there's only one teacher in an elementary school classroom mm -hmm. in a school. Why do we need to have more than one leader in an elementary classroom in our church? And your answer can always be the same thing. It's for the safety and security of our children. Mm -hmm. We want to keep our children safe mm -hmm. and we want to keep our leaders safe. Mm -hmm. And the best way that we can do that is to have two adults in each classroom at all times. Mm -hmm. And that might mean that you have to combine some classrooms or you might mm -hmm. have to do some creative things those first few weeks as you bring in new leaders but one of the things that you want to try to remember is the importance of having two adults in every classroom. Mm -hmm. You are working primarily with volunteers who probably mm -hmm. have no educational experience at all working with children. And so discipline and lessons and all of those things are very different in a church setting than they are in a school setting. And just from a practical perspective, exactly what you're saying, we are not a school. Right. We, from a legal perspective, right. cases with schools and cases with churches are going to be handled differently. Very differently. So if you are met with that argument, oh, but there's only one teacher in a school. Mm -hmm. We are not a school. Right. You know, period. Um, and so we, the, the expectations for us as churches are just different as well, legally, and we protecting have to our church from legal liability. We have to hold ourselves to a higher standard. Yes, yes. But also, we have to look at, at just the minimum legal responsibilities. Yes. And yeah. liability yeah. issues are that a court is going to expect, at the minimum, there are going to be two unrelated adults in every classroom with every child, mm -hmm. period. Mm -hmm. That's just the expectation. Amen. Even if there's one child, two, two adults. Two adults. Yes. Yes. And so it's one of those situations where I know it can be hard and I know it can be challenging. Mm -hmm. And trust me, I know uh, Virginia had said in the earlier episode that, that she had been very blessed that, that people typically understood very quickly mm -hmm. when safety and security guidelines came into play. I have not had that experience everywhere when I've come in. I've had mm -hmm. a lot of pushback over the years. Mm -hmm. of, of people who are just so used to the way their church has always done things. Mm -hmm. But as I said, safety mm -hmm. and security is just a hill that I am willing to die on because mm -hmm. I know that I'm going to be held liable. I'm responsible yes. for this yes. ministry and for how things are done. And I don't want any child to come to any harm, but I also want to protect my leaders. And the best way I can mm -hmm. do that is to have two adults in a, in a classroom, mm -hmm. um, not to try to belabor it, but I think safety and security is your first evaluation that needs yes. to happen. Mm -hmm. I think you need to very seriously look at each classroom, how safe each classroom is. Mm -hmm. 
Mm -hmm. um, the safety that you have in your building, how the children go to the restroom, mm -hmm. how the adults come into the classrooms to pick up their kids. Do you have a check-in policy? And I'm a firm believer. I had, you know, over the years, I've, I've led different age groups, you know, sometimes up to fifth grade, sometimes up to sixth grade. And I still use check-in systems through Absolutely. sixth grade. Yeah, I just did. If, and, and so, um, because again, I, I want to make sure the kids are as safe as possible. And I've seen too many situations where kids, when they just have the freedom to go through the building, especially if you have different buildings, mm -hmm. so the kids are, are going outside where there's just too many things that can happen. And so I just always have very specific guidelines about mm -hmm. child pickup and drop off and all of those kinds of things. So one of the best things that you can do to begin with is to look for some other examples of safety and security guidelines for children's ministry from other churches. Mm -hmm. Some churches mm -hmm. put them online. Some mm -hmm. are willing to give you a copy because they're, mm -hmm. they're, you know, we like to help one another. So they're willing mm -hmm. to, to share a copy with you. Um, your denominational headquarters probably has examples mm -hmm. um, of some safety and security guidelines for children's ministry. I know your church insurance company will have some guidelines for mm -hmm. safety and security for children's ministry. And again, this is something that's going to be very personal to your ministry, but there's no reason mm -hmm. to reinvent the wheel. You don't need right. to start with a blank piece of paper. You can take an example and adjust that to meet your needs. Right. But you want to do definitely a heavy editing process. You yeah. don't just want to delete out, you know, First Baptist wherever and just slap your church's name on right. there. Um, <laughs> you have to do a pretty particular heavy editing process to make sure, just to make sure all the policies and procedures make sense within your space, within your time constraints, within, you know, your context for your church. So. And something you really want to think about, if you already have a safety and security policy, you need to read through that document on your first day. Mm -hmm. And you need to make sure that you are following everything that's in that document. Because I came into several ministries where they made that document five years previously. And then forgot about and it. And forgot about it and never <laughs> looked at it. And we weren't doing half of the things that were in yeah. it. And the thing is this, if you have it in your policy, mm -hmm. you have to follow it. Right. Because again, if you are in a situation that can happen very quickly where you are in a liability situation, mm -hmm. the court is going to be looking at your information that you've put out. Mm -hmm. And if you have that document out there, you have to be able to say, we have followed these guidelines. Right. And so it's just a, a very vital piece of your ministry that really is the one thing that has to be looked at during that first week. Mm hmm. Um, you know, it, it really is something that you want to make sure of. Now, there are a lot of safety and security changes that you may need to do over that first year. Mm -hmm. I'm not saying that everything has to be perfect in your safety and security document to begin with. That's why we're saying adult leaders in the classroom and a check-in policy are really your two first adjustments. The rest can come over time but you need to make sure that you are familiar with what needs to be adjusted and what needs to be changed very early so that you can begin to prepare for that. Amen. You know, it's funny because thinking back now to just one of the very first things I did, I don't know if it was in my first week or the first couple weeks at least was I went and bought, um, outlet protectors yes, <laughs> and went around our building and was just plugging outlet protectors. We had some outlets that had them somewhere they had been lost. Yeah. And so, you know, that's such a small thing, 
but just exactly what you're saying, evaluating I, your safety and security and doing that very first thing. I cannot tell you how many times in conferences I have said this line. <laughs> I don't care if they're two years old or if they're in fifth grade, if they can shove something into an outlet they're going to. I had just as many problems with my elementary kids blowing the the sockets by sticking something in there as I did with the preschool, because Mm -hmm. actually teachers don't tend to be watching for that in elementary Mm -hmm. school, but they do in preschool. So, um, but I'm telling you, if they can shove something in that socket, they're going to. So yes, (laughs) those are all the kinds of things that we have to be super mindful of. Mm -hmm. And I know you can't make changes to everything every minute. So don't let safety and security overwhelm you. That was, that's why we're telling you, these are your first two things. Mm -hmm. You know, you know, check for how many leaders you have in the classroom, check for your, your drop off and your pickup. Those are your first two things. And then after that, it's walking through, invite somebody to come and walk through your building with you. Mm-hmm. It was one of my favorite things that I did as I worked um, as a specialist for our state convention was just to go and walk through a preschool or children's hall with a leader mm-hmm. and just let them show me their ministry. And I gave them a second pair of eyes. Yes. You know, someone to just say, you know, have you thought about how easy that TV would be to pull down off that stand? Mm-hmm. Or have you mm-hmm. thought about the outlets on that wall that don't mm-hmm. have covers or mm-hmm. because what happens, especially if you are in this ministry and you've been at this church for a very long time, you tend to forget, you don't, you don't notice things. You just mm-hmm. don't see things at the same. And so it's just great to have. And there's so many of your friends that would be very willing to come and do that walkthrough with you, either from your denomination, from your local churches, you know, somebody in your family that maybe works for the fire department or an EMT or works for a school or, you know, somebody mm-hmm. that you can just say, would you mind meeting me at the building one day and just walking through the classrooms? Mm-hmm. so that we can see. Um, I, I can remember I, I worked with this one children's minister and I walked into the church and we went up the stairs and there was a landing at the top of the stairwell. So it was the stair, you know, you know how you go into the little door and you've got the stairwell that goes uh-huh. upstairs. Uh-huh. There was a landing on the top floor of the stairwell that was maybe, I would say six feet, mm. maybe eight feet wide. Uh-huh. With no railing. The stairs didn't have railing. The stairs were just the emergency stairs that went up. But there was this landing. <laughs> and they just thought that that was the coolest area. So they had put some little chairs in a lamp oh. and like the there for the kids to hang out in. And next to a cliff. <laughs> next to a cliff, down like three or four stories. And they were like, well, they're, they're kids. They're old enough to not walk up to the edge. And I was like, but you know, when kids are hanging out with each other and they're goofing yeah. around and they shove each other or they, you know, they, yeah. they, they mess around, yeah. they, fall, they might drop something on somebody's head that's walking up the stairs, you know, and it was so funny because that children's minister, as sweet as she was and as great at her job as she was, that, that had just always been there. Yeah. And so it was just the fun little hangout for the kids. Like she never thought about it not being safe. So sometimes it just takes like another person's eyes to go, have you thought about what if this happens? And there, you know, and then she was like, I need to clear off that landing tonight. And I was like, 
probably a good idea. Let me help you. Out. <laughs> so let's move these chairs right now. Um, so it's that kind of thing. So having yeah. that extra set of eyes, it can be very, very helpful. Uh, and we also have some great episodes that are, are a great place to start if you're just sort of starting out and learning about safety and security. We have episodes, a general episode on safety and security policies, an episode on um, child protection policies, an episode on check-in systems. We've got a couple episodes on um, emergency preparedness plans. And so, right. so you know, just starting with that episode on safety and security policies is a great beginning point if you're unsure well, what do I do next what do I do now yeah, yeah exactly for sure. for sure well we've talked a little bit about just those those first things that you really need to focus on and we've already mentioned building relationships and the importance of creating a team but I think that it's really great if if one of the first things that you did as you're, you know, walking into the office that first week, as you're thinking about the first things you want to do is to create some opportunities for you to build relationships with the kids and with their families. Mm -hmm. And so that means just planning something as easy as a board game night, you know, ordering some pizza, having mm -hmm. families bring board games, you know, mm -hmm. having just that fellowship opportunity where you get to just have some fun. Yeah. Um, if you have done this work before and you are familiar with, games like organized mass chaos or football <laughs> or you know some sort of like, ball. Yeah, yeah some sort of a sport night where you can just yeah. have a fun game activity where they can come you know mm -hmm. we're we're talking about just having a relationship building opportunity yes. with the kids yes and so you want to do that outside of a bible lesson or a bible study now i'm always going to do a devotion with those i'm just going to because it's my thing i'm going to have my bible out i'm going to share for just a minute yes. but the primary the primary focus of these particular events it's more of a i want to build a relationship with you i want to get to know you i want to learn your names i want to hear more about your family i want to see what you enjoy uh, you know those types of things so that you are building relationships. The next thing you really want to focus on and that you really want to take some time evaluating is what kind of material are you using during your Sunday school, your small group, your Bible studies, your, your times where you have the kids in the building. Mm -hmm. um, you know, whether or not you just have the one hour on Sunday mornings or whether or not you have a full slate of activities throughout the week where you have children's choir and Awana or Bible drill or, you know, whatever types of things you really want to start thinking about, am I providing an opportunity for the children to learn the word of God every time they walk into this building? Mm -hmm. You know, I kind of mentioned that by saying, you know, I'm always going to have a devotion before every kind of event or anything we have, but also I want to make sure that every single time I have the kids in the building that we are providing an opportunity for learning. Yeah. Because they can get fun and videos from Lots anywhere. Yeah. Yeah. And it, it, I will say that, especially over the last few years, because I know how difficult the pandemic was for so many ministries and I know how hard it is to find leaders. I am seeing more and more churches just try to provide filler mm. for children's times, whether they're showing YouTube videos of yeah, yeah. Dude Perfect, or they're showing, you know, Minions movies, or they're oh, doing those kinds of things, which yeah. 
it, it breaks my heart a little bit because I know that these things are, are fun and they're easy and, right. and, and they, they fill time when we don't have enough leaders. But I think that one of the things that we really need to do is think about how are we laying a biblical foundation? Mm-hmm. Amen. And so that means that we have to have a plan. Mm-hmm. You know, if you don't have a plan, Right. then it's not going to happen. It's it's just going to be surviving each week. We don't want the vision of our church to just be surviving for the Sunday. Yeah. We don't want that to be our philosophy or we right. don't want that to be what we're known for, which right. it can very easily become that because it is very overwhelming to find leaders and it can be overwhelming to do these things. But we want mm-hmm. to have a purpose and a plan. And you do not have to be writing your own curriculum to be effective Bible teachers. Mm, amen. There's also a pressure, I think, for a lot of churches to feel like they have to develop their own curriculum and writing material is not easy. It's very time consuming. It really Mm -hmm. is. And there's no need to reinvent the wheel. You know, taking a solid curriculum that aligns with your, you know, theology and your philosophies and adapting it as necessary, um, but taking something that is pre-existing and applying it in your ministry is oftentimes much more um, an effective use of our time. So, right. So you, you want to think through what do I want when my kids enter my children's ministry, either as kindergartners or first graders, however your church does that as they progress through to fifth or sixth grade, however your church does that, what are they going to learn? What are they going to accomplish in this time? Do I have a plan for that? Is there a scope and sequence that I'm looking at to say, this is what I expect my first graders to learn, second graders. And there are a lot of uh, places where you can find that assistance. Mm -hmm. And again, I've mentioned this before, even if your church does not have a budget for material, if you're a very small church and you do not have that kind of a budget, there are denominational resources and there are local churches that Mm -hmm. are very willing to share resources and to help you with that. And so it just might take a little bit of time to find a place where they can help you with that if you don't have the funds to be able to do it. But honestly, as you look through your budget through that first year, it is really going to be better for your ministry to look at how you can use your budget to help with learning Mm -hmm. And with any other kind of fun activity you could possibly provide for your kids because they can get fun activities anywhere. Right. Um, But, but having that theologically sound basic material for your teachers to be Mm -hmm. able to use in the classroom with the children is the most important thing that you can provide. And Mm -hmm. so you definitely want to take an opportunity to make sure, are we providing some sort of a lesson for the kids every time they're here? And do we have Mm -hmm. a plan for that? Is there a purpose in it? And I think that that's a vital thing for you to start thinking about as you're reviewing your ministry. One of the other things that you need to be prepared for are professions of faith. Yeah. As children grow, as they begin to understand their personal relationship with Jesus, you need to be prepared for Mm -hmm. how your church is going to minister to children as they make those decisions, as they make decisions about baptism or their commitments or however Mm -hmm. you and your denomination chooses to bring children into your ministry. Mm -hmm. 
you want to make sure that you have all the resources that you need to be mm -hmm. able to meet their needs and that you are providing with providing them the opportunity to be able to celebrate mm -hmm. their decision to make Christ the Lord of their lives. Mm -hmm. And, and thinking through ways that you can partner with parents, um, you know, if, if a child expresses, you know, an interest in accepting Christ, you know, how, how is that communicated to parents? You know, how are you going to communicate with parents? What resources can you share with parents? Um, you know, will you offer new believers classes for kids? Um, and so just sort of thinking through that process for your ministry, how does your ministry respond to children who want to accept Christ, who want to take that step of faith and become a Christian? Right. And you want to make sure that you communicate that well to your leaders, mm -hmm. because so many times over the years, I've had leaders get very excited about the prospect of a child accepting Christ and them not take into account that our church had a very specific way that we mm -hmm. helped a child do that, a, mm -hmm. a very specific way that we worked with families. So you want to make sure you communicate that process well. Mm -hmm. And we've talked about that before in other episodes. We have some episodes on making professions of pay faith, preparing children for baptism, those kinds of different things. And so you can find those where we go into more detail, but it's just a really important thing for you to be prepared for and that you know what you would say and what you would do that you've practiced mm -hmm. it yourself, that you yeah. have the notes or, or the booklet or whatever you choose to use as you communicate with this, with the child, that you have all of those things prepared and ready. So that's really important to be ready for. It's an exciting thing to be ready for, yeah. but it's very important. Yes. Yes. So. Um, the other thing I want you to seriously think about, and I don't want to overwhelm you, so take a deep breath. It's all <laughs> going to be okay. <laughs> but I really do want you to think about providing vacation Bible school and camp your very first year. Um, and I know you're going, oh, please, I don't, because I'm not kidding. I have literally walked into churches where that has to, to have been my very first thing because it's getting ready to go into summer. And I, I know right. how hard and overwhelming that is mm -hmm. and how exhausting it can be, but you will build relationships with your children and your families in a very unique way during a week of vacation Bible school yes. and during a week of camp. Amen. So the sooner you can do that, mm -hmm. the better your ministry is going to, to grow and the better your relationship with your families and your kids are, are going to grow. It's, it's going to make a huge difference. And you don't, again, neither one of those things have to be reinvented. Right. It can be a very basic three-day VBS mm -hmm. where literally where you, you, you don't even have to, to, you know, go into all the bells and whistles. You can just right. create some sort of very basic, Family included vacation Bible school if it needs to be, but just a really, really simple VBS for the summer. A week of camp, there are so many camp opportunities. Yes. There are, your denomination probably has children camp options. There are church camp options in your state. Mm -hmm. There are center kid options and other publishing house options for mm -hmm camp where mm -hmm. everything is already programmed for you. Mm -hmm. All you're doing is just bringing your kids, bringing a group of kids. and spending mm -hmm. the week with them. Yeah. And again, I know that sounds overwhelming, but this way you don't have to create your own camp. You don't have to right. be the one teaching. You don't have to be the one that has created all of the activities and the programs. 
you have the ability to just take your kids with you to a week of camp where you can get to know them and you can spend time with them. So I, I really do in my heart think that those two events during the summer can really solidify a relationship and help you see a bigger picture of your ministry than any other event is going to help you to do for the year. And you just have to think too, just about the time. I mean, one of the reasons why VBS and camp are so effective is that at VBS, for example, you'll have kids for three, two, three, four hours mm-hmm. all in one day. Whereas normally that's how much time you'd get with them in a whole month. Right. And so you're getting, if you're doing a five day VBS, you're getting five months worth of Sundays with your kids. Yeah. If you're going to a camp, I mean, it's, you know, infinite, you're getting (laughs) so much more time with your kids and with your leaders. And so that's just the time is one of the reasons why VBS and camp are so effective, just such effective ministries, and then such effective opportunities to get to know kids and leaders and families. It really, it really, really is. Mm -hmm. And, and this is the exciting thing about it. You know, over the years, I did a lot of different types of camps. And I would always do like with first and second and third graders, they have just overnight weekend camps that might happen on spring break or on fall break. And and so it's just these little short kinds of things. And then, of course, you've got the longer camps for the fourth, fifth and sixth graders. But the idea is this. Again, there's lots of different opportunities and options. And you don't feel like you have to create your own your very first year. You may down the road decide to do that. And that's great if you have the resources and the ability to. But the idea here is not necessarily the event as much as it is the building the relationship with the families and the kids. Mm -hmm. And that's what you get from a week of VBS, from a week of camp. Mm -hmm. And so trying to find those opportunities pretty early on is going to be a really great way for you to learn. Um, I, I know that that for me, even though it came really early in one of the churches where I served on staff, like seriously, it was, we we were jumping straight into that. (laughs) But I think that was where I realized, wow, I made relationships with leaders mm-hmm. and with the kids in such a unique and special way that first year because mm-hmm. I just was thrown straight in to, to going to camp and having VBS. And so it's, it's, it's a neat thing to think about. So, Amen. You know, over that first year of your ministry, you are going to be developing policies and philosophy, and you're going to think about things like scope and sequence and choosing curriculum, and you're going to be doing all of these really important things. And one of the things that you have to remember is that all of these things, none of them are static. Mm-hmm. None of them are done and, and you never look at them again. These are all things that you are going to be reevaluating year after year after year. So don't let yourself get overwhelmed. It doesn't have to be perfect. Your first shot right. out. Right. Um, you are going to grow and you're going to learn and you're going to know people better and you're going to see this works and this doesn't work and this helped and this didn't. And maybe this will only help for one season and it wouldn't be good for it to continue. Mm-hmm. You are going to be able to make all of those decisions. But part of it is just spending that time with God so that you can find mm-hmm. where he is leading you to focus your mm-hmm. abilities and your gifts and that is, is what's huge about ministry. It gives you that opportunity. It can be overwhelming and it's a lot of work, but it is such a blessing. Mm-hmm. And so we don't want you to feel overwhelmed. We don't want you to feel like it's not something that you can do because you've been called to do this for Amen. this season. And Amen. so, you know, you 
need to walk boldly into that knowledge. But also don't feel like you're on an island and you have to do it yourself. Find Amen. people that can walk alongside you, that can encourage you, that can help you, that can hold you up. If you can find a children's minister in your area that can mentor you and pray for you and spend time with you, it's going to be so well worth your time to be able Amen. to do something like that. So don't um, isolate yourself so much that you're not taking time to renew yourself so that you can pour more into your kids, into your families. Amen. And just, just be faithful to do today what God has called you to do. Mm-hmm. Be in word, you know, be in his word, be in prayer um, and, and just ask him to direct your steps for this day. And all those individual days of faithfulness and obedience to the Lord are what add up to an amazing, wonderful ministry, an amazing, wonderful ride of getting to see what God is doing in and through you and in through your kids and in through the people around you. And so those little daily steps of faithfulness are what add up to being able to look back months or years down the road and be like, man, look at what God has done. This is amazing. Um, And so you know, we want to be strategic, mm-hmm. but we also want to be just faithful and obedient today. Right. And what God has called me to do this day. Oh, Amen. Yeah. Amen. Well, we just thank you so much for taking time to spend with us today. And we hope that we have not overwhelmed you. We <laughs> hope that we have encouraged you and given you some thoughts and things to focus mm-hmm. on, um, because that is our heart. We just want mm-hmm. to meet you where you are. And we are hoping that we are giving you the information you need. We are going to ask once again that you like, that you subscribe to all the things, um, that you check us out on Spotify and Apple Podcasts and on Podbean, that you subscribe to our YouTube channel, that you check out our blog, our Instagram, and our Pinterest, because we just want to give you more information to help you as you serve your families. And that's our heart. So we appreciate the time that you've spent with us. And we look forward to talking to you again soon. Bye-bye.